Good morning. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Thank you. 
Good morning again. In Pastor Kevin's absence, we and Andy's absence, <laughs> we're going to fill in for them. And so if you would join me in singing number 123 in the hymn book, if you wish, or there'll be other words will be on the screen. Uh, o come, O come, Emmanuel, page 123 in the hymn book or on the screen. Just stand together, please. Page 124, next page over there. Come, thou long expected Jesus. Desire 
standing for prayer or for uh, scripture. I'll read from Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But he's, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You may be seated. This is how it was, a silent night like any other. When heaven sent the one, the one that we will call our Savior, and redemption began in a stable in Bethlehem. All of the
I'm changing places just to switch it up a little bit. <laughs> All right, so for announcements today, um, starting back this Wednesday, we will have our recharge at noon. Um, if you would like that email that has the bulletin that comes out, email me in the office, and I'll make sure that you get that Zoom link and the bulletin. And then our children's programming will start back up tonight after a couple weeks off um, at 6.30. So 6.30 to 8 o'clock, we have um, classes for all ages um, on Wednesday nights. The Giving Tree just has a couple um, of tags left out there. I did add a couple more today. Um, so if you would like to grab a Giving Tree tag, that would be great. Um, and have those gifts wrapped and returned by next Sunday. Um, so we have time to get those out to um, children in our programming that um, need just a little bit extra help this year. Variety Night is coming up on the 12th. Um, it's your green flyer in your bulletin. If you would like to perform something, a song, a poem, uh, some sort of skit, anything at all that is Christ-centered and celebrating the birth of our Savior, please sign up and let us know that you would like to do so. In addition to this week, um, last week it was not in there because we weren't sure what we were doing, but the votes have been counted and we have decided that we will still have our dinner, our full dinner, before at 5 o'clock. So out on the 10th Street table, there are tags if you would like to bring a side dish or a dessert. Main dish will be provided for us and beverages are provided for us. Um, we just ask if you would like to grab one of those tags um, just as a side dish or a dessert um, just to help us out that night. It's a great night. A lot of the community families come in and we have a great time to connect with each of them um, over a meal and then come in here and we watch their little kiddos sing their heart out or <laughs> play an instrument and all this. It's, a, it's just a really a great night of fun. So um, if you're interested in that, feel free to do that um, and join us all together on the 12th at 6 o'clock for the program, 5 o'clock for dinner. And I just want to remind you, it's not in the bulletin, but next Sunday night is Church Family Worship at 6 o'clock. So Church Family Worship, all generations gather together in the fellowship hall, and we have a time of it's normally great fun. Um, there's games that we, quiz games that we play. Um, a lot of times the Christmas one um, is lots of caroling that goes on, and we just have a really great time together with a time of snack afterwards. So if you wanted to bring a snack, um, that would be great just to share, and we all just have um, an hour together, and it's just a great way to kick off our week. Um, this week for Missions Moment is the Frisks, Marty and Becky. Um, let us be in prayer for them as they do have a lot of health issues going on right now. We hear from them um, almost weekly with something different. The, they're working toward um, being better, uh, but we just want to be in prayer for them as they are still, Becky is still teaching lots of classes online or she'll go in person. Um, and even just with all of her health things, she tries to push through um, and try and do those. And the same with Marty, um, his traveling um, while he's trying to take care of Becky and take care of himself. So let's just be in prayer for them this week. Um, as they are working for the Lord. Stand again and we'll sing together number 405 in your hymn book or on the screen. My faith has found a resting place.
Jesus died, and that he died for me. He not for me, that Jesus saves, this ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him, he'll never cast me. by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father God, just thank you so much for, um, for just being our heavenly, perfect, wonderful, amazing uh, heavenly Father who loves us so much that you send your son to die for us. Uh, we hear that all the time, but it's easy to forget just the power in that, Lord. So we thank you for that. And we just thank you that we can gather together this morning as the church, as your church, uh, in a place that gives us the freedom to worship you freely. We just thank you for that blessing, Lord. And just in this season of thankfulness where we actually live in a country that we, we set aside a day just to be thankful and we set aside a day to celebrate your birth. We just thank you for the season of thankfulness and hope and just all the blessings of friends and family and church that you've given us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, at uh, this time, the uh, children can be dismissed for Children's Church. family. Anytime there's a guest speaker, I would like to make sure that you have some idea of who this person is. Um, welcome this morning to Robert Shule. Uh, I have him on my phone as Bob Counselor. Uh, Bob works with Fieldstone Counseling right now and has been uh, my counselor over the past couple of years, helping me to keep my heart straight uh, with others and with God, my walk with Christ uh, during some of these uh, difficult times. I know he'll be a big benefit to you this morning. I know that he will be uh, preaching from Simeon, I think it was about five years ago that I did a message on Simeon during Advent, and I'm sure that Bob's will be way better than mine. <laughs> uh, he has uh, been an associate pastor, an interim pastor, um, seminary trained, and know he has just a wealth of experience to bring to people like myself and others, and now in this uh, time this morning, a wealth of experience and knowledge to uh, bring to all of you through the Word of God. Good morning. I appreciate Kevin's kind introduction, long distance introduction. How's that? Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Your pastor has become a friend of mine. Uh, you know him far better than I do, but I'm getting to know him because of our intersection at uh, Fieldstone Counseling. He mentioned that. It's a relatively new counseling team in Northeast Ohio, and it's been my privilege to serve on that staff now as a biblical counselor. 
After 32 years of being an ordained pastor, a Presbyterian pastor, I've observed a lot of pastors and their families, and so I have a special heart for pastors and ministry leaders. And so Fieldstone Counseling shares that heart, and we develop something called the Center for Shepherd Care, exactly aimed at people who shepherd uh, and often don't get the help they need so they can be healthy and strong to then be good, healthy shepherds. So that's why I met Kevin. So I'm honored to be here and uh, privileged to be here. Uh, privilege as well for me to have some of my family here. My wife, Linda, is sitting over there. My youngest son, Josh, and his wife, Jessie, are here. So it's our first time at Goss Memorial Church. And uh, what a beautiful sanctuary you have. Yeah. Okay. Well, today is the first Sunday in Advent. And as you heard, the reason for Advent is what? We are looking forward to celebrating the first coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We simply call it Christmas, but it's really that first Advent time. And Kevin said, over this Christmas time, we're in the Sundays in Advent, each Sunday has a special word to focus on. First one is hope, as you can see all over here, the word hope. Next Sunday will be the word peace, and then joy, and then love. And he said, now Bob, when you're planning your sermon, I want you to connect a Christmas character from the Bible to one of those words. And so today, we're going to zip right past the manger scene. We're not ignoring them, but we're going to go just slightly past in time, past Mary and Joseph and the baby, to an old man named Simeon. And God had made a promise to him that someday before he died, he would be able to see and hold and appreciate the Messiah. The Messiah had come. So, what's this all have to do with hope? What's it have to do with hope for Simeon? What's it have to do with hope for Mary and Joseph? And what's it have to do with hope for you and for me? as we live in a time that may seem, in some ways, rather hopeless, if we're watching the news, right? Well, let's find out. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read it today. It's from Luke chapter 2, and verses 21 through 35. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, this is a reference to Mary and Joseph, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and 
a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The word of the Lord. Would you bow your hearts with me as well as your heads? We're going to pray. Lord, you are here. And so we are the guests of honor here in your presence. Now, speak to us in a way that makes sense to us. These words can easily become stories and not life transformation. So Holy Spirit, you're the same one that guided Simeon. Guide us now. We pray this in your name. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to look first, um, really through a camera, we're going to get some background information, camera one, and then we're going to get some background information from camera two as we look at this text, and then finally we're going to zoom in on the, the very important action that happened between Simeon and Mary and Joseph in the infant Jesus. So first look with me at verses 21 through 24. There's an old Chinese proverb. Listen to this. There's only one pretty child in the world, and every mother has it. Now, I don't think Mary and Joseph knew that particular Chinese proverb, but I know that they knew this. There's only one perfect child in the world. And they had it. They had it. God had told them, name this son Jesus. In Greek, it sounds like this, Eusus, Eusus. In Hebrew, it sounded like this, Yeshua or Yehoshua. We get our name Joshua from this. What does it all mean? It means Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. That's what the name Jesus means. And so Mary and Joseph knew this is the name for him. They also knew that he would be great and that he would be called the, the Son of the Most High. What's that mean? That means he is the Son of God. And they understood that. They also understood that he, Jesus, would reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there would be no end. All this came earlier in Luke. So they knew that going up the steps into the temple 40 days later for the account that we read today. Now for those of you that have raised a child and had the privilege of doing that, you know from day one there's a few learning curves, aren't there? <laughs> a lot of learning curves, particularly for a firstborn child. Well, Mary had never been a mother, right? Joseph had never been a father. Learning curves. But can you imagine raising from day one the Son of God? What an assignment given to them. One thing was sure. God saw something in this young couple that would be absolutely necessary. Their hearts were for obeying the living Lord that they loved. And that's what we see unfold in the first camera angle of background here in the text. Mary and Joseph didn't skip any steps in obeying God and raising this son, even if he was the son of God. What was step one? Eight days after Jesus was born. It was the ceremony of circumcision. That's in our text today. Every Jewish boy was to be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. Why? It was a sign of the covenant that God had made with the patriarch Abraham for all his descendants. And at this ceremony, this is when the name Jesus was given. This is when the child was named. All this has already taken place eight days prior. Then comes step two and step three. And these kind of merge on the same day, 33 days after the first eight days. Eight plus 33, 40. So we are 40 days now past the birth of Jesus. Here was the first ceremony. The redemption of the firstborn. What was that? 
Well, according to God's law, every firstborn male, whether human or animal, was sacred to God and belonged to him. The animals were sacrificed, but firstborn males were dedicated to God and were to serve God all of their lives. Now, parents could redeem back their son for the price of five shekels. It's almost like buying their son back from God, (laughs) though he would serve him the rest of his life. And so they would give that money to the priest. It was the Levites. Remember the Levites? All the folks that worked at the temple? They stood in place their whole lives of all the firstborn sons. That's really what was going on. So that's the redemption of the firstborn. And we read about that in our text today. Step three, same time. If a Jewish woman gave birth to a boy, she was ceremonially unclean for 40 days. And so the purification after childbirth, this was very important. So 40 days after the birth of Jesus, Mary was unclean. By the way, if she had given birth to a girl, it was 80 days. I don't know why. <laughs> you can ask Pastor Bud. Maybe he'll explain that one to you. She was unclean, not because of the birth, but because of her loss of blood. During this time, she could not touch anything holy or enter the temple sanctuary. And so after 40 days, this was the big deal. A sacrifice had to be made on her behalf. And she had to bring a, a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And if she couldn't afford this, then she could bring two pigeons or two turtle doves, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. Aren't you glad you don't have to keep track of that today? But Mary and Joseph certainly did. And now we know that they were poor because they couldn't afford the more expensive sacrifice. It gives us a clue as to the type of parents that God chose. The priest would then make atonement for her, and she was declared clean. So what? All that is background now. Here is the point. Mary and Joseph didn't skip steps when obeying God, even when it came to raising the Son of God. Now I wonder, I wonder how the parents, you ever wonder about this? I wonder about the parents of Mary and Joseph. We don't know their names. Well, I wonder how they raised Mary and Joseph, what hopes they had for them. And how is it that Mary and Joseph knew the scripture so well? What's that say to you about parenting? Maybe even grandparenting. I wonder what Mary and Joseph were thinking and feeling and hoping as they walked the six miles from Bethlehem, where they still were, and then walked all the way to Jerusalem for these ceremonies, these purifications and dedications. I wonder what were the hopes and fears that Mary and Joseph had that they would only share with each other when they thought about, we're raising the Son of God. What hopes and fears do you have as you live in this current age, 2021, year to be specific, And as you think about going into 2022, what hopes and fears do you have? Well, that's the first background camera. Now we're going to switch to another camera. And these are verses 25 through 26. Again, some more background here. It's important. Question. How many of you uh, have seen the movie? This is a, a, a little hands up. Called The Bucket List. Bucket list. Some of you have. All right. This is a comedy drama movie. Came out in 2007. It starred uh, Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Do you know who they are? And they portray two terminally ill men. And they're on a road trip to kind of accomplish their wish list of all the things they'd like to do before they die. And of course, the bucket list, hence the name of the, the movie. We are now introduced in our text to Simeon. And he's a man who has a very unique item on his bucket list. (laughs) He is waiting. He has been hoping. He has been expecting this for we don't know how long, but to literally see the Lord's Messiah 
promised to him by the living God. So, what does the text tell us about Simeon? Walk through it with me. It gives us a lot of clues. What's it say first? He was a righteous and what? Devout man. What's that mean? That means he made God smile. It means he lived in a right relationship with God. He orbited around God. God didn't orbit around him. And he sought to please God by simply obeying all his, his commandments. He was a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the, here's that word, consolation of Israel. We sang about it here just a few minutes. What is a consolation? You might think of it as a consolation prize. Doesn't sound too good, but it's supposed to bring you some comfort because you didn't get the main prize. In this case, consolation means a different kind of comfort, all capital letters. This is the consolation of Israel, that in which they would be saved. And that is a person. The consolation of Israel is a messianic title for the Messiah, for the one who would rescue Israel, the one who would bring the long-awaited and prophesied comfort to them. Later, we call him the Lord's Christ in verse 26. Same thing there. What else do we know about Simeon? It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Well, that's no small thing. We, we kind of take that for granted, don't we? Because we live after Pentecost. This is all before Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit only came on some people for a limited time only. But the Holy Spirit was on this man, Simeon. And then last we hear... The Holy Spirit revealed to him, there's the promise, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. How's that for a promise? Now I wonder, again, some wonderings. <laughs> I wonder how long Simeon had been waiting and hoping for this promise to come to him. I mean, was this just a year ago or two years ago? Maybe five, maybe ten? Maybe even longer that God had said, you're going to receive this hope realized. I wonder how long it took. I wonder if Simeon had any questions about how he would recognize this Messiah. Would he have angels around him, trumpets blaring, lights flashing? Would he be an adult, a youth, a child? I wonder if he even thought he'd be an infant. We just don't know. A lot of things to wonder about. I wonder if Simeon ever wondered if God had forgotten him over all the waiting period, and maybe God just wasn't going to fulfill his promise. I wonder. I wonder how many of us have ever wondered if God had forgotten us and his promises to us. What do you think? Well, all that's background camera one, background camera two, Camera two, and now we're going to zoom in on the live action. You ready? Here's verses 27 through 35. And I invite you, along with me, to look over God's shoulder. This isn't just a story. This is real life. Look over God's shoulder. God in his sovereign power and timing through the Holy Spirit first gets Simeon into place. So Simeon guides him, gets him into the temple at the right time, in the right part of the temple. Can you see him? Can you picture him? He's looking at each person as they enter the temple. Is this the one? Is this the one? Day after day, maybe this is the day. And then God, in his sovereign timing and purpose, brings in Mary and Joseph, who are holding the infant Jesus. Can you see them? Can you see them kind of? Come in, they are not looking for Simeon. They don't even know he exists, much less his name. But they're here to fulfill what God had said to do. And so what do we do next? Maybe kind of looking around. And now Simeon, in a flash of understanding from the Holy Spirit who controls him, sees the infant Jesus, recognizes him as the consolation of Israel. This is the one and now he moves quickly to Mary and Joseph. See him moving across the temple court. And he comes quickly up to Mary and Joseph, 
who I don't know what they're thinking, and I don't know if he asked permission, but he takes the child from them and brings him up into his arms and begins to speak. Now, I wonder, because he knows what he's holding, if he has tears of joy coming down his face. We don't know. Text doesn't say it, but he knows it. And he pours out his heart to God, first by blessing God. I wonder what he said to God. He blesses God. And then he says these words in verses 29 through 32. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Translation, I can die in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. I have seen the Messiah. I'm looking at him right in the eyes. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. I know this Messiah is not just for the Jews, but also for Gentiles. Folks, that's you and me. That's you and me too. So he says all this, comes pouring out. It was a holy moment. Why? Because life was just going on as usual in the temple. No one else understood the holiness of this moment. But the long-awaited Messiah was in the building. <laughs> After 400 years of waiting and hoping, since the last prophet... Malachi had spoken. That's a long time to wait. The Messiah had finally come. And Simeon could now die in peace. God had kept his promise to him. And I personally wonder how long Simeon held on to Jesus. And just looked at him. <laughs> and I wonder if Jesus squinted back at him. The old man holding the very young Messiah. What a holy moment that was. So, meanwhile, Mary and Joseph, <laughs> remember them? They're still here. What's it say? They marveled. That's the ESV. They were astonished. I don't know if they had their mouths open. I bet their eyes were big. Why? Because they just heard what he said about their son. They were astonished at what this man had said, holding their son. Simeon was not finished. He now blesses Mary and Joseph. I wonder what he said. Doesn't record that. And then he prophesies these words. And now we can zoom the camera right in on Simeon looking at Mary. And this is what he says. Behold, Mary, this child is appointed. Appointed by whom? Appointed by God, for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Stop right there. What does he mean? It means this child who was chosen by God will be the cause of many people falling away from God who do not accept or receive this gift of salvation through Jesus. And on the other hand, he's going to be good news of great joy for those who do receive him as the Messiah, as Savior and Lord. And it will be a parting of people. The rising and fall of many. And for a sign that is opposed. That doesn't sound too good, does it? What else is Simeon saying? There will be future opposition to this young man. And then Simeon interrupts himself. And we see it in our text in little parentheses. I wonder what it sounded like. But remember, he's looking right at Mary. And what's he now say to her? Words that she would remember the rest of her life until when? Until she's staring 33 years later up at a cross. And her son is now looking down at her in agony. What were those words in parentheses? And a sword, Mary, will pierce through your own soul also. How would you like to carry that for 33 years? And then Simeon resumes his thought. You know, this child's appointed, rising, falling, sign, it's going to be opposed. 
so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus, this little child, will grow up and be a lightning rod. A lightning rod. Exposing what's really in people's hearts. Exposing their sin and their need for salvation. This little child. A lightning rod. Well, that's where our text stops. That's all we get. That's all we get. I still wonder some things. I wonder what Mary and Joseph's marveling faces looked like when they left the temple. I wonder if they looked back at that guy. Who was that guy? What was that all about? I wonder. I wonder what they talked about on their way home to Bethlehem. I wonder if they were hopeful or fearful or maybe some of both. I wonder what you would have been talking about if it had been you. Maybe a little bit of both. What does all this have to do with the first Sunday in Advent and the theme word of of hope? In preparation for this sermon, I did a little research and I found an interesting article Here's the title, 14 of the most depressing place names in North America. I bet you've never seen this. I had never seen it. I'm not going to list all 14, but here's some of the ones from the list. Dismal, North Carolina. Boring, Maryland. Misery Bay, Michigan. Tombstone, Arizona. Cape Disappointment, Washington. And then I saw it. Then I saw it. Little Hope, Texas. Home of Little Hope Baptist Church and Little Hope Cemetery. How would you like to go to church at the Church of Little Hope and be buried in the cemetery of Little Hope? When we use the word hope, what do we mean? We, we usually use that word wishful thinking. Okay, I hope it doesn't snow too much today. I, I, I hope my wife likes the Christmas present I bought her. I hope the, the Browns at least make the playoffs. I hope, I hope. <laughs> but when the Bible uses the word hope, it's more of this, a desire of some good with expectation of obtaining it. Listen to that again. When the Bible uses the word hope, it's more this, a desire of some good with expectation of obtaining it. It's this kind of hope that the Jews lived with over all the centuries until the Messiah came. An expectation that would be realized. Brothers and sisters, you don't have to go to seminary to get the main understanding of Scripture. Here it is. Old Testament, 39 books. Basically say this, a Savior is coming. That's it. A promised hope. New Testament, 27 books. Looks back and says, the Savior has come. And he's coming again. That's the whole Bible in a nutshell. Right there, a sure hope expected, a sure hope realized. That's it. That's it. So here's the question. For those of us that are here, and we say, well, we're a Christian and a follower of Christ. Then we have an important question. First of all, what does that mean? That means I have repented of my sin and I've received the consolation of Israel, which was also for Gentiles and also for me. I have received Christ as Savior and Lord. Then if you and I have done that, here's the biggest question we have. What is our only sure hope in this life and in the next? Jesus, right? It isn't how much you and I accomplish or how much money we have, is it? 
It isn't government leaders, is it? It isn't what the media says. It isn't what the Center for Disease Control says. It isn't what Bill Gates says. It isn't what the United Nations says. If so, then you live in a world of little hope. Our only sure hope is in the God of the Bible, in who he is and what he has done, what he has said. All roads lead to him. He is our only hope. What has he said and what has he done? Remember what Jesus said just before he departed? His disciples went up into heaven. Behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Christians have a reassuring present hope that Jesus is literally with us and for us and leading us and working through us and who has promised that nothing will separate us from his love. No thing ever. So sure hope for you you're a follower of Christ. Listen to this one. This is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I like that. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Kept in heaven for you and you and you. Christians not only have a present sure hope, we have an unshakable living hope for the future because Christ's resurrection is a sure pledge of our own resurrection someday. Surely as he was raised from the dead, so will we, because we are in union with him. And one more, one more scripture. And, and by the way, this one is one of my favorites, and I use it with everybody that I counsel. It's actually the first memory verse that they get. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hear, hear the word hope? Hear the God of hope. Any true comforting hope we have comes from God, not from people, not from institutions, not by our own effort. It's God's gift to us by His Spirit. And God wants us to abound in it, not just a little trickle, abounding in hope. Why would people want to come to the church if they don't see us abounding in hope? Nothing different. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God gave Simeon a promise, right? That he would see the Messiah before he died. A sure hope. And someday I'm going to ask Simeon, how long did you wait? <laughs> exactly how long? And what was that like? How did you know that that little infant was the consolation of of Israel, the Messiah. Hmm. He got to look into his face. How about you and me? What promise has God made to you? Do you know his promises? He doesn't break his promises. Which ones has he made for you? Which one do you wait for with sure hope and great expectation? Do we look forward to seeing Jesus not as an infant, but as an adult? Not us saying, Jesus, get up my arms. Maybe he'll hold us up. What a neat reversal, huh? Can we keep that sure hope in mind despite all the things going on in the world right now? Right now. Can we keep that as our North Star? That's our hope. No matter what, no matter how dark it gets. Here's the final truth. As surely as Christ came in the first advent, he's coming again at the second coming, a second 
Advent. And it is a sure hope. Just like Simeon had. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we hear the word. We, we often think of this as a nice story, but this is a matter of life and death. For Jesus, you came for the rising and the falling of many. And if there are any here who are not quite sure of their relationship with you, I pray that this might be the day you introduce yourself to them and that this will be a different kind of Christmas. So for those that are here that are feeling rather hopeless, may you uh, become front and center and uh, may we see you in unique ways in the days between now and Christmas even smiling at us, ever hopeful. We put our trust and our hope and our faith in you afresh. In all God's people said, amen. Let's stand, shall we, as we close our service with 145 in your hymn book. O come, all ye faithful. I want to thank Pastor Bob for coming and sharing this morning. It's good to meet him and his family. And uh, good to have him here for Pastor Kevin. And uh, great, great, great message. ask that you would dismiss us with your love, your blessings, your joy, your peace, and your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. Take your Lord with you today. Bob, if you'd join us out this way.